Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bourke. Check out, we're in another iconic location. We're in the Guinness factory, literally 30 seconds from my house. Uh, it's amazing. You'll see so many pictures of this on the internet. Uh, people come on holidays, they always seem to take this picture here. Uh, anywhere you look in, on the interweb, it's there. Around the corner is the Guinness factory. I literally live 30 seconds walk around the corner. So I used to walk up and down here to school. I went to James's Street School. I used to walk up here at night or in the morning. It was dark. It was like something from Gotham. It was like something out of the Batman movie. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I used to come up here as well when I was a kid catching pigeons. Because the fact or the, the, the lorries used to bring barley and all around to the to the stores obviously and it'd fall off and a lot of pigeons and racing pigeons would land around here me and my mates when we were kids 10, 11, 12 we used to uh, catch pigeons around here it's beautiful it's just lovely it's, it's, I think it's Ireland's highest earning tourist attraction you know there's horse, horse drawn carriages uh, Brenda Mulrini David Mulrini Dave Horse and Carriages they're fantastic well looked after horses you know it's, it's a dying art but these guys are really keeping it alive and it's great to see it really it's, it's lovely. It's 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 really an eye. It's it's an eye opener uh, to come around here and have a look. You know the the structure, the history. It's brilliant, and obviously Guinness is lovely. It's absolutely delicious. Mother's medicine, as they say. Just up to the right, you can't see it. There's a building, and it's quite significant to me. And I'll tell you why. It's a little story. I had a parrot years ago called Elvis. Right, he was an African grey parrot. I think it was about eight years ago or ten years ago. I was still partying away at the time. I hadn't got him too long but I got his wings clipped to stop him flying and I had him out at my door I live that to say just down the road there and I got his wings clipped so he couldn't fly away and I brought him out to the to the door to talk to me mate D Dave Collins I've talked about him before and I was showing him the board and I was telling him about it and with that he tried to jump off my arm onto the railings and I'll stop now with his car going boy he jumped off my arm onto the railings and a gust of wind caught him and he took off like a fucking Harrier jet. He came out of flats up towards us as we're sitting here and up onto the ledge, right? So he had a, a little moped at the time. I jumped on. It was like something out dumb and dumber. Uh, I jumped on, no helm. I chased him all the way up here. I climbed up the building. Uh, again, he took off again and he went missing on me. So uh, Elvis had left the building and he flew away. So I was going around for hours, putting posters around the area. Uh, trying to find him and I got a call the next day the DSPCA had him uh, and he was found down at Merchant's Key so Merchant's Key is just off uh, Christchurch down the hill it's going to it's, it's quite iconic for religious people you know they've all uh, retreats and all sorts of mass I don't know too much about uh, religion but my ma goes there because she's mad into JC but that's where he was found but I was telling me ma and she was like ah oh, there you go St Anthony found him for you St Anthony found him for you go give him some money so yeah I was telling me mates I was telling Dee about Elvis being found Elvis was found at Merchant's Case so I have to give Anthony a few quid there's another car gone boy so we'll kind of stop it a little bit I'll wave to everybody hello hello uh, yeah, so that's the crack. That's where we're at, Guinnesses. So check it out. It's not too far from Meat Street. Loads of deadly pubs. There's archers around the corner. It's a cool pub for food and drinks. As I say, there's loads to do around here. Loads of hipster bars and cafes. Uh, check out the Dublin Night area. Hopefully you're enjoying seeing it. Uh, I love the area. I'm mad about the liberties and I can't say enough about it. As I say, there's lots of shops down the Meat Street uh, market and all that area. So yeah, check it out. It's absolutely fantastic. So our last interview was with was with Joe Doyle 
Uh, brilliant I'm glad about the feedback people really loved it I loved it I got so much from it there's another car gone boy sorry uh, I got so much from it personally and professionally we're implementing changes into our podcast another car really sorry about the sound we're implementing changes in the podcast we're changing how we do things I'm changing how my mindset even you know uh, what was the what was the what was the saying he said do more learn what was the other one Aaron do more learn oh we're fucking forgetting it can you help me come on Aaron do more work and learn was it work harder Uh, Aaron's gone done but anyway we're implementing changes so yeah thanks a lot Joe Doyle if you haven't checked him out please do he's on Facebook uh, Joe Doyle Entrepreneur just put in Joe Doyle E-N it'll come up if you can't spell Entrepreneur I couldn't so yeah that was brilliant on the, the show today today's interview is with Chris Fallon Chris Fallon has the, the Facebook page A Moment for Mindfulness so we, I linked up with him on, the, on that page I love the love all the stuff that you do I love him as a as a person we had great chats before the interview we still keep in contact you know we've done the interview a while back and we're releasing it now uh, he's a really good guy great story a story you know he, he reformed drug addict uh, he, you know history with mental health homelessness just lots of trauma in his life but just seems to be doing well always looking out for human beings he's really genuinely a uh, kind hearted person that just wants to help and he's just trying to find his path I think he's going places you know he does everything with the right spiritual intention and the page is going from strength to strength I think there's about 60,000 followers and there's really a lot of people that engage in it that I know from talking to people in private chats on it that they're getting a lot from the page so check them out they're on Facebook uh, listen to his story it's absolutely fantastic he's a good guy really good guy so check out Chris he also writes amazing poetry and stories and he puts up deadly posts so yeah hopefully you get a lot from this it's another car gone boy so we'll we'll just quieten down a little bit really sorry about the stop start but I just think it's worth it you know to have this uh, interview here so yeah that's the interview that's the interview coming up have a listen to it as always let us know what you think I really appreciate your feedback I love hearing uh what people are getting over we're getting loads of stuff on facebook we're getting loads of uh, feedback about the videos that we're doing as well yeah so i have to keep stopping and starting because of the sound of the cars really sorry about this come on good boy wave and wave yeah so that's the crack have a listen get back on to us let us know what you think uh, as always i'll ask you to mind your little self in service of the rest of the world be kind to you and practice gratuity think of something that you're grateful for today yes the other week on boy and hold on to that and practice gratuity every day have a fantastic day and enjoy the podcast take care bye bye okay so we're live welcome back to the magic minds podcast i'm matt bork on the show today i'm joined by chris a fallon chris what is the crack i'm going man how are you man I am doing good, I'm doing good. Guys, I've asked Chris to come on the podcast today because he is the creator of the Facebook page. Let me get this, AMFM, am I right? Yeah, A Moment for Mindfulness. A Moment for Mindfulness, an absolutely fantastic page. How are you doing? I'm glad, actually, glad. Just 
Welcome to the Liberties. It's fucking awesome. We love the colourfulness and the sunny day brought out more, so it was absolutely daily to come through and to find the place at first off. Great place, and you came early. I came early. You're yeah, a legend. I'm OCD about turning up early for things. So yeah, very you have to be present. Deadly. And you even got to see a crazy man feeding the cat. Yeah, I even got to see a crazy man feeding the cat last night. Like, I mean, some kind of knowledge that there's goodness in the world, so. There is, there is goodness in the world. I look, what is it about uh, seeing people with animals? You know, it's just, there's no judgment there with animals, isn't it? When you see no. people feeding animals, or, you can be really present with them. I don't I know what it is. I think they feel their energy. I think they're, they're more, they resemble more with the character of the person, and they can tell quick. They look at your eyes, I think, they source who you are. And then, do you reckon? Yeah, I think. Well, definitely cats do. Cats, dogs, dogs are very bad boy type. People stay away the people, they'll keep away or they'll bark or something. With people, cats, very cautious people, independent creatures. So, yeah, cats, cats are so different to dogs. Cats just, yeah, the dog is like, Come on, give me love, give me love. The cat's like, Nah, fuck off. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's always on their terms. Yeah, and I've so, always wanted to get a cat, but <laughs> no, it's the only animal that kills for fun. Fuck that, bringing bulls on kills for fun. It is, it's the only animal that hunts for fun. Is it? Yeah, bringing a board as a gift, like it'll drop a board outside your door as a gift. Aaron, you need to get a cat. You need to get a cat. He'll bring a board home for you. That's what we need. That's where we went wrong in life, Aaron. We need, we need all the help in life we can get. Uh, Aaron's the social media uh, guru. Uh, we just haven't got around for Kev, the technical legend. Kevin's a technical legend. That's the team we have. Me, Kev, and Aaron. Uh, me, Aaron, and Kevin. I'm gonna well, the, the transfer window is open for another two weeks, so I think I might trade them in and get a new crew. I know he's okay. I have a good crew around me. Come here before we get into the interview. Remember, I was talking to you on the phone the other day mm. or last night. Tell us a song or a film that means something to you that's significant or, and why. Right, I suppose a song would be Bad by you two. Yeah, Bono done it in '85, kind of. In, in Live Aid and just I don't know he excelled himself and excelled the band and he met himself there but that song is just quite significant because it's also it's about heroin and drugging in the like 80s 90s um, it's just if I could tear myself to set your spirit free if I could tear myself into to set your spirit free like if I could be somebody else because you can't understand addiction you can't understand drugs you can't understand another person's life you can't that there's a mad emotion I don't know what the word is called but where I can't put myself in your shoes and feel your feelings. It's a mad emotion that I have, but I can't. It's indescribable. There's a lot of emotions that are indescribable. And that's one of them. But like, to set your spirit free would be like to let you go and to get you free of addiction and to get you out of Dublin or get you out of flats or get you out of problems where the drugs are. And it's just, I always found that kind of beautiful. And I lost my mother to suicide, so there's a part that's like colours clash and cloud and bloodshot eyes. Pull that mic for a little bit. And it's just there. Uh, like the colours clashing and colliding and bloodshot eyes is like the beauty of the eyes and then the drugs making the eyes bloodshot and it's just kind of a beautiful mess in a way. Do you know what I mean? Fantastic, fantastic. So. Deadly, I love it. That's a, I, I've actually never even heard that song. I wouldn't yeah. be a big U2 fan. but I wouldn't be. I, I would be, but I wouldn't be a big fan of Bond, but sure he is what he is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I've asked Chris to come on the show because he has the, the Facebook page. Yeah. AMFM, yeah. but also he has a an inspiring story that he has a, a a great experience of life, and I want you to share that with us. Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about the uh, 
the Facebook page. Right, I started the Facebook page. How's it going? Well, how's it going? Jesus. From the start to now, incredible. That's how it stops and starts. But in the past, I don't know, since Paddy's Day, I looked at the numbers and it was 42,000. And it's jumped to 14,000, like 14,000 extra. So it's 56,000 now. Wow. And it's just so positive. New members, like it's a very faceless kind of thing because there's so many people in it. And I have two other girls running it, two ex alcoholics actually. And they're sober four or five years respectively each. Brilliant. And they're both in London. One's an Irish girl, one's a co- pure cockney. So one's Lorraine, is it? One's Lorraine, she's an Irish girl. And she's four or five years clean, I'm not exactly sure. Brilliant, well done, Lorraine. And she's out in Clontarf, and she's a lovely girl. She runs her shift, she works in the in a hospital in London, I don't know the exact name. But she's there, and Lorraine, or Nicola, the other girl, her son recently had um, surgery on his eye, and I found out he had the fluid on his brain. So his she had a story covered for him on BBC. She's five years clean. She's just amazing. She lost her dad last year. It was very sad. And I have another administrator called Eva. She's not really present on, on it at the moment because mm. she lost her brother there recently. She lost her dad last year. So wow, she was having a fucking tough old time. Tough old. But we've all gone through our shit at each as running the team. So we're all going through our shit and we try and be as real as possible. And that's where it's at now. It's real because. It's real. I can't really say any more than that. We're honest and it's very positive in most people. It's not kind of disingenuine or bullshitty. It's authentic and it's real and people feel that. And that's why it's so positive. And mm. You know yourself on Facebook and social media, you can be ruined in the morning. Yeah, of course. And it's kept going through years. So. Yeah. When did you, you start in 2016? I started in 2016 on the back of a fucking napkin and fingers. <laughs> did I you? There, I, I done rehab for weed. I struggled with it. And uh, I done three weeks in a place called Belantra in Garrettstown, run by the Peter McFerry Trust, which is a big plug, plug, plug. But <laughs> fuck, that man saved my life many times. But anyway, I done the rehab and I came out and I just found the real world hard without my normal crutch of weed. And the only thing that worked for me in the Belantra was mindfulness. A woman called Natalie from Ballymun, she um, was a huge, huge alcoholic and then just turned her whole life around. And Peter McFerry entrusts people <clears throat> that have come through the shit and he helps a lot of people so like Natalie was helping people after whole problems so I find it was hard or experience when you're dealing with rehab or anything like that I found that experience is a bit more genuine and authentic to help you in your progress as a recover in recovery way mm-hmm. so I learned an awful lot mindfulness was taught to me there and I just sitting in fingerless you know McDonald's I was like what can I do to give back because I had a pre- like a a bad um, experience. I had a slip and I nearly died. I wouldn't call it. I call it an overdose, but I wouldn't call it like a suicide attempt. It was just I was lost, mm. and I just wanted to give some back because I had my experience. That we talked about that in the cafe. Yeah, we we're touching that. We're touching that a bit, but I found that um, I had to give something back. I just had to give something back because I felt like I was living before I had all the problems. I was. Working for fucking nearly eight years, I was straight narrow arrow dark, smoking weed, but still I had the money to get it and I was working like an arrow arrow dark. Got married, had a kid, you know, I lost. Brilliant. I I became selfish in the sense that I bought into that whole world. I didn't help people anymore. I helped myself and helped my kid and helped my my ex-wife and shit. It's amazing that like in a a downturn in your mental health or your forces that you want to dig deep and you want to help other people. It's like who'll stay or who'll stay. Yeah. And I found that the people that are in the quagmire of life are the ones to stay and they help you. 
because they've been through the shit themselves. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, Facebook page and mm. it's very relevant. To, when I open the page or I look at any yeah. of the stuff that you have, it's always something that's going on in my life. It's yeah. not some of the. I found that a lot as well. People say that a lot, yeah. Yeah, like some of the stuff that comes up, well, and, you know, they're like little science. Yeah. And it's really beneficial. Could you share with us? Maybe some of the the benefits or the responses from your followers that you've you've had. Oh Jesus Christ! I've been brought to tears a couple of times to be honest. Yeah. By the gratitude of it, because like I've been through me shit, and then people have the bravery. Like I don't. Somebody said to me, "Do you find that it helps people?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. I'm I must be Billy Blee Balls to actually do all this shit." And then people view me on the negative sense of it being like narcissist or egotistical, and they're like, "Fucking hell, you can't win." But I just put myself out there to help people to be as real as possible and when I get the responses back off people like I don't know I needed that today I just left my husband after 20 years it was a disaster I got out and she got out and she read something that day on the page was like I don't know something I wrote was like she was a diamond because she embraced all the pressure do you know and like if she read that and got a bit of a spark of fucking genius and got out of that situation that's my day's work done and I'm Brilliant. not looking for anything to come yeah, 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 yeah. I've had yeah. people with lupus, I've had people with cancer, I've had people come back and say, this page is the only thing that keeps me going daily. And it's weird, I just latched on to a particular group of people that they, need, they don't need that every day, but they need that inspiration. And I'm one of them people that need that inspiration every day. Yeah, no, I do. I look at signs now. I mm. pick up like, like a poetry book out there, and sometimes yeah. we just open it randomly. Randomly. And it will have something that's significant to what's going on in my life right now. And I go, what? That's nuts. But where attention goes, attention flows. Yeah, myself and yourself yeah, talk about so that. So like, whatever mode you're in, that will manifest itself. And if, like, without fucking, I want a million euro or something like that, that shit won't happen. But, things like helping a homeless fella or, I don't know, a woman crossing the street and I want to help crossing the street and she's going to get knocked down. Do you know, helping simple things transverse into other things outside of that, like two or three weeks there. Like, you want the job, you got it. Based off things that you've done through that. Small little actions. Small little actions. So that, that's where that led you on the path to this. And that's the, the, the attention goes, attention flows. Because mm. it's like the universe. You are the universe. You're made of the same fucking shit as the stars. Like so. Yeah, oh, I love it. And it's really poignant. Even just the podcast stuff that we did. We did an yeah. interview recently with, with Fran Dempsey. Mm. And I've got a load of texts and calls on uh, social media and people wow. saying, Wow, I just listened to that podcast and exactly yeah. what I needed right now is it's really keeping me alive. It's like some of them are really deep and powerful messages that I was like, that is what we're, that's what we're doing this for. That's what we're serving our community. We're being leaders exactly. within it. And it's, it's yeah. deadly. It's like I don't take from that or I'm doing great. Yeah. No. I just think this conversation is helping somebody mm. and I don't think it's me. Yeah. The same with your face. I know that you're not a narcissist and egotistic motherfucker. It's actually funny. I was watching Harry Potter. The seven Harry Potters, would Did you believe someone it? tell me to watch that? Fuck me, man. Anyway, I was watching the past seven of them, and Harry Potter, at the end, because it's all about him, mm. it wasn't about him, it was about the bigger cause. Right. <laughs> so I've never watched any of those. It's just a prime example, like, at the end, like, it was all about the bigger cause. It's not about anybody, it's about the whole thing. It's about the whole collective consciousness moving forward, really. Oh, I love the whole collective unconscious. It's yeah. deadly, isn't it? Consciousness as well. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Word, like, I find it funny. The word science is in consciousness. And it's actually not a fucking science when it should be. You know, psychology, it's not really deep into consciousness, real consciousness, in terms of, I don't know, how would I say it? I meditate and 
I went down that path. So if you connect into the kind of God consciousness or the creator consciousness, whatever the fuck put you here, I believe that if you kind of just try and connect into that for 10 seconds, Jesus Christ, the overwhelming energy you get from that, and dismiss your ideas of, of God, Buddha, some elf fella sitting on a cloud with a fucking heart, or some mad one chopping people's heads off. <laughs> dismiss all that. It's yeah. you. You are God. What does the player say? God is, God is within us. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I was listening to uh, an interview with Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. I think he was talking to Oprah. Or, so he was, he was, he was translating the the Bible back because the Bible have been been translated so many times yeah. and it's lost in uh, translation. Actually, mm. the meaning. And when he talk about heaven, mm. he talk about heaven being up here. But what he was trying to say, and it was. It's an empty space. Yes. So he's trying to describe it so we'd understand that we can contextualize it. It's like oh like open space, but he meant within us. It's an open space within yeah. us. And so God and space is within us. Mm. And uh, the heaven, the kingdom of heaven is kingdom, within yeah. us. And it's this I was another one he was talking about was repent. And repent just means turn around. When yeah. it means turn around, turn back into you. Yeah. So the answers lie within you. And I was like, Man, that's mad. I thought, like, when you read the Bible, you would think it's something totally different. Mm. It's opened my eyes now to, to praying and God and the Bible. I don't think it's all about the Catholics and the, no, no, the no. Jews and the, 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 the Muslims. I just think Do God you know, is within you. And, yeah, it's it's really... Have you heard of the Torah? You know, you're aware. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's actually, it's an old belief. Well, it's, a, it's an actual fact. There's a part of... The, the, pen, pen, the penal gland is actually an eyeball that looks inward. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Savage. And they reckon that fucking the calcification of the water and all that shit is the moment and to stop you having like do you know deja vu? Yeah. Near death experiences, things like that. You uh the L calcium calcifies the brain and stops you from experiencing what you really are. Kind oh, of a consciousness. Not since I was only listening to an interview the other day that we were talking about uh DMT yeah. and this whole near death experience that there's more death or there's more DMT produced around these experiences. Yeah. Do you reckon that's where it comes from? I was only talking to my sister in law, my brother's wife, the other day, wow. and she, her, her auntie's not well and she's going through a bit of a bad time. Okay. And I found myself saying to her, which I'd never said to anyone in yeah. donkey's years, I'll pray for you and I'll pray yeah. for your family. But I didn't mean that I'm going to go down to the church and pray, yeah. although I did probably want to. I actually wanted just to pray that I wish her well, I wish her kindness, and I wish her family well. Do you know what I mean? And that never was in my my consciousness. But you're aware for of years. it, so that is a prayer. Because like you're sixty thousand thoughts a day, more yeah. or less sixty four hundred thousand, depending on how mad of an overthinker you are. Ten thousand of them could be. Gone. I'm a hundred and sixty. <laughs> myself as well. But like most of them thoughts are directed towards your kid, towards your life, towards your work, towards your status toward a paranoia about yourself within society all this weird shit but if you have like even a hundred thoughts for that girl or for that person that was ill that is a, in a sense it's a prayer because you're genuine about it and it's really in your head and you're saying jesus i hope she gets better you're, yeah. you're, go, you're popping around doing your work and you're like i hope she does better and it really works it yeah. works and it's not like fucking you know i, I get a lot of bullshit off I listened oh, to another yeah. uh, episode in this. I followed this guy. I uh, followed this podcast called uh, The Innovation Show by okay. Aidan McCullum. And he had this, this scientist on. And they done this they done this study about uh, the effect of prayer. So they prayed for, yeah. say, a, a group of women that are going through. So they had one, they prayed for one that were going mm. through IV. And another ones, they didn't pray for them. And the ones that, that were going through the IV that they prayed for, you know, I wish them well. Mm. 
they had a huge success rate. A huge success rate. They've done a thing in Japan where they took ice water yeah. and they put positive thoughts over one and they put negative thoughts over the other. The positive thoughts one create the perfect fucking uh, snowflake. Ah. And the negative one was all messy and dull and obviously out of sync with the symmetry of the original. Yeah, it's so just kind of like a prayer. Again, positive thoughts. It's it is unreal, a isn't it? It's madness. Do you ever get in your mind when you wake up some days, your mind is a little bit scrambled, a little bit all over the place? Sometimes the mind are significantly different and things went, then will just automatically happen yeah. in correspondence to the way my mind is thinking. Like, you know, something might happen at work, something might happen in the shop. You know, it's nuts. It, the universe can scream at you, man. I'll tell you, the finest example, I didn't tell you about this in cafe, but with my little one, like I'm separating my little one Couple of years, like her man, I'm separated for fucking six years now, seven years in January, December, whatever. But I woke up one day, I was living in the hospital for three years in Sandy Cove, and I woke up one morning bawling, crying. I swear to fuck, I was just bawling all day. And I don't know what drove me to get on the dark from Sandy Cove. Went to the, got off from Pierce, which I never do because I always get off in Tara or Conway. Got off from fucking Pierce, walked into the church of Pierce Street, still bawling. Took mass, never take mass in my life, and it wasn't even, I'm not, like, I'm not even directed towards God, I just needed a hierarchy, or a patriarch. Went in, watched the Italian priest give mass, balling all through it, went up to him, asked him for humble confession, yeah, and went in, dummy confession, walked out, half hour on a Friday evening, right, in the middle of town, you know yourself, it's fucking packed. Chris, 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 who do I turn around and see? My ex-wife, my kid, and our fella, the fella she cheated on me with. I had to accept him there and then as her part of my daughter's life. And I accepted it there and then. And that was the universe screaming to me to stop being so immature and to accept the responsibility that we were separated and that she moves on and that my daughter's like living with a new fella and that I have to take my role to run that replace as far as I figure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was the universe screaming at me to wake up like you suck, wake the fuck up. And I, wow. I had to listen to that shit and it worked. It fucking worked. I've had people say to me, how the fuck do you deal with that? I'd have no patience. And I'm like, it's for the greater good. It's for my kid. Yeah, oh, you always say that's the bigger picture. It's the bigger yeah. It's the long game, isn't it? It is the long game. Can you take us back a couple of years? Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up, where you grew up, difficulties you might have had and that kind of stuff. I grew, I was born in Blanche, I was born, I was born on the first of the first, it's weird, I'm very into numbers, so I was born on the first of the first in 111 Whitestown Avenue, in Dunbar 15 Blanche, but all the ones, and um, I don't know, my man dad kind of went through a rough patch, she was, uh, she was taking a lot of value, she couldn't really struggle, four boys, one of them didn't date, <laughs> my, my oldest, he had a lot of problems with heroin and drugs and stuff like that, so. Unfortunately, she had to deal with him. But anyway, long story short, um, we moved to a place called Bronickstown in Trim when I was about two or three years old. And then my father left and he went to London and he left the woman with four kids. And I suppose she couldn't handle it. So she ended up, we ended up moving to a place called Atboy where I spent most of my childhood. So Atboy is a small little town. My grandmother lived there. So we moved into the grandmother's house. She died on my bleeding birthday when I was three, on the first. And then, about a year and a half later, when I was four years old on Valentine's Day, my mother fucking committed suicide, to my belief system anyway. And she overdosed on 
about 40 value, 40 benzos. So because she was in a bad place and it was Valentine's Day. But uh, I found her and that was a shock, shock, shock experience to me. Like as a young boy, seeing the only thing that you know gone. So she fell into a fire and just horrible, <coughs> horrible, horrible story. Long story short, we were sitting there with uh, two of my brothers were present, my oldest, uh, Daryl, and then Dwayne, who's next in line, and then myself, I'm the youngest. And it was weird, because I was looking at Dwayne, like, look, at, look after me, yeah? And then Dar- Dwayne was looking at Daryl, the oldest, like, look after us, will you? And then Daryl was looking down at us, and he was like, fuck, I have to look after these two boys. And I'll give it to him, he did. He raised the two of us, even though there's two years between him and Dwayne, and there's 12 years between me and him. He raised us. Yeah. He really did that now, yeah. So, I know, school was grand. I was always at school, I was pretty smart. Oh, you're very bright. You're always very bright. Secondary, I don't know. I went a bit mad when I was about 14. Um, Similar to myself. I don't know. I found a pack of cigarettes and then I discovered hash and I was like, fuck. I went down that path of being a great lad and winning and all that stupid shit. I was only talking to someone yesterday. I didn't know the hash was still around. (laughs) It was, yeah. It's still around now, like you can. Oh, is it? <laughs> like, not that I was looking for it. Someone just said me on something. Oh, general, yeah. I thought it was all just weed. Now I didn't think hash was that. Mostly uh, weed, yeah. I'd say old school people probably smoke the hash. Yeah, this lad was talking yesterday. He said, oh, "I just got a block of hash." I, like, <laughs> I just thought it was From coke and weed. Morocco. <laughs> yeah, it's gas. But the weed is everywhere. Yeah. The yeah. Weed is, uh, it's stronger in Amsterdam. Anyway, the weed in Dublin, I would, I'd fucking. Shit Again, that they put into. <laughs> How would you describe your childhood growing up? Was difficult? Losing my mom was difficult. And then my dad had a new woman come in. So that was even difficult. She was kind of a cold character creature from the west of Ireland. Did you just go and live with him or did you just No, he can't he took over the house when my mom died. He oh, left did he? he left England. He never told his boy that he had four kids. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my dad and then he came over with her and they, she they tried our best, I suppose. I can't really and they, I've I had a bad L relation with him for years. I never spoke to him for about 15 years and then we got back talking about a year and a half ago. Yeah? Yeah. And how has that been for you? Uh, growth, progress, it's all about, I don't know, I, when I became a parent, I never realised that. Being a parent is so fucking hard and you'll always be paranoid about not doing the right thing. Even though you are. You always are. Because you love your kid. It's just, it's hard to, you know yourself, you put your finger on it, it's hard to do the right thing all the time and you don't know if you're doing the right thing so you're just so paranoid yeah raising a child raising a mother life absolutely and I'm just I'm back listening to a book called uh, Scattered Minds by uh, Gabor Mate and it's about ADD and children and adults he's pretty amazing and pretty amazing I love his whole stuff on attunement and attachment and oh yeah he's fantastic and he talks about like the, the impact of generational pain you yes. know the, the pain of the grandparents yes. onto your parents and the pain of your parents onto you and then you on your kid that disease all over the yeah and it really makes you feel for your parents if you had a difficulty with yeah. your parents or your grandparents yeah. it helps you understand them then you're not going ah oh, you fecker you were you treated me wrong but she, they had had pain it's a generational you thing you want to get that shit off your kids do you know what i mean so it's hard to, hard to put your finger on it and it's hard to make the right decision but they did their best with what little they know same as us. The, the, how was the impact of losing your man? What was that? How was that on you? What was that whole experience like? Jesus, I don't know how would I describe it. I say it hardened me and it made me. I suppose Bruce Lee says emotional disattachment from things. I suppose that happened to me, so I never got attached to anything. Never. I got attached to my kid obviously because that's a, a, 
a huge important relationship, like a mother figure, child figure, whatever. That's an important part, but everything else in between is not. I just didn't dis. I didn't connect. I always had a disconnect, and I suppose that kind of got me through really bad times because I knew that it'll all work out in the end. And I know that's a cliche, but it fucking does. It does work out in the end, and you can't be. I say attention goes, attention flows, and you can't even at that. You can't have too much of an emotional attachment to it. That's the whole Buddhism thing: attachment. You can't have attachment to anything, and it works. It really works. Mm. My friend Bruce Lee is very inspirational as well. A lot of his quotes, a lot of his work is very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying about, actually, on the topic of kids, he was talking about, like, you need to teach your kids things, not to give your t- kids things. You need to teach them things that you never have. Instead mm. of giving them all this bullshit, tablets and fucking iPads and shit, man. Yeah, you'll teach them, but I won't teach them your way. I won't teach them the real world when they come out, when they take the head up from the tablet. I get bullied or something. Yeah, absolutely. I find I find I get better. I get much more benefit and connection with my daughter when I'm explaining something to her, when I'm yeah. telling her why I said something or why we use. Like I was having the chats where yesterday she was staring at. Uh, <laughs> With uh, she was staring at somebody in a wheelchair, oh, and and I was explaining why that's yeah probably not the best thing to do, and explained you know what yeah. it'd be like for the person, and obviously working disabilities, you know, yeah, people yeah. in a wheelchair would feel stared at and they'd feel different, and you know, but it's okay for you as a child to look because yeah. it's different to other things that's around you, and it just yeah. catches your eye, but you know, you got to teach your eyes manners, you know, you look sure, and they yeah. don't keep staring, I like and I just that was rich for me. Instead of bringing her into Smith's point or a game, yeah. and it's over in a couple of seconds. Yeah, but she'll have that for the rest of her life. She'll have a respect because she knows that he works with people that are disabled and stuff like that, mentally disabled, whatever kind of disability they have. Mm. And it's like, she'll have that respect. And she'll have a common ground with them too. Yeah, and it's great to have them conversations. And I, I used to do it with my other I used to think I used to be driving at bonkers. But it's, I know now from our conversation with my 19 year old, she's yeah. just, no, no brilliant really good and a great relationship yeah remember more that more than a little doll or something yeah true you've had your your battles with addictions can you share us a bit about that um yeah um weed would probably be my fucking big problem but um i used to work as a printer i used to work nights and stuff like that so again going down that super benzo volume path i used to take two or three That'd be my night, and I'd work. But I was I was very good at my job. It just became second nature because everything in printing was kind of like a process. So I was following the same steps all the time. I suppose how could I answer that and say the biggest problem when I woke up to that was when my ex-wife left me and she told me she said you were you were just stoned all the time you were with me. I was like six years gone. Even though I had money put away and all that kind of shit, I'd not really the show for it. I had my daughter, yeah, I had money put away, but I didn't have the show for it. I know in our growth, there's no progress in ten I was still in the same position, doing the same thing. Obviously, money was going up. There's no, I didn't break out of that. And then when I woke up, I fucking broke out. Of it. When I woke up and stopped, I went to rehab and done my shit. I got a job in UCB teaching printing. Where did you go to rehab? I went to rehab in a place called the Lantern. Yeah, she said earlier. Yeah, that. it's yeah. ran by the Peter McGrady Trust, and it's in Garrettstown. And I fucking there's it's a, it's a it's a house where it's kind of split in two, so you'll have people that are coming off like. Heavy heroin addicts would have a hundred mil of methadone a day. Did example. you were you did you take heroin or were you just benzos and or I was just anything? Benzos. I had an overdose on heroin by accident when I was at my lowest when I'd not left. Like I fucking came out of rehab, I'd done really well. I fucking slipped 
and got yeah. the job in UCD. I got the job in UCD. I slipped on the fucking bag of weed, and then that day I lost. You found it. I found read it. Found a bag you, of weed. You found a bag of weed. Just the universe testing me. You see, the universe tests you as well. <laughs> Of course, I failed, and again, I lost my fucking apartment because I needed to keep the job to keep the apartment. It was a drug-free apartment, but I lost the apartment because I failed the urine, and um, I lost the job because they found out that I was I was the dean of the university in the area found out that I was in number one in a certain area in Glasnevin, number one, and number one and number two were all were known as drug-free houses. So the dean was number fucking seventeen. Again, the fucking universe. So I suppose you don't really lose things, you gain things. So I realised that I could reach the pinnacle of my career when I'm sober. And I realised that I could do a lot of great things when I'm sober. And then you lose a lot in a heartbeat. So the heroin, when that came into it for the accidental overdose, it was a fucking... Jesus, I just lost the apartment and lost the job. So I was put into this kind of residential drug-free house as a kind of a stopover. Because you're going back onto the streets. You're going back into the hostels, which I just came from, and that was a fucking nightmare. So you're going back into the hostels in your head, and you do anything to fucking numb that fucking pain, because it's horrible in the hostels in Dublin. Yeah. It's really horrible, yeah. They'd be fighting each other for fucking, I don't know, smoke and shit like that. Clothes being robbed, Clothes your being gear. Robbed. You have to sleep on your runners. Bags being gone through, you sleep with fucking your runners underneath the post your bed so that don't be moved oh, just mad shit but I went through glitch free like I had no fucking issues it was weird I had more problems living in town now than I did in the fucking hostels but um, when you lose everything I realised that it doesn't really matter but the heroin I was in a football pitch in fucking Huntstown and one of the lads in the residential where I was just plop plop he fucking he said come on in and I was like alright so I went down after about Eight, nine months clean and just a little slip on the little bag of weed I found. <coughs> I fucking OD'd in the middle of a football pitch. Two two joints, I think two Valium and fucking about half a line or a line of heroin, which I smoked and it was just terrible. But I walked for about 100 metres, gone. Clean as fuck and just gone then. It all just hit you. All just hit me. Seen the light. <laughs> yeah. Really seen the light, yeah. Talk to us about that experience. Uh, what was that like? Fuck, that was mental. All right. Like, I was unconscious. Consciously unconscious. And I was in the middle of a football pitch in the middle of July. I was like a fucking burger when I woke up. I cooked on one side. <laughs> and uh, I remember I had money in my sock because I had me, like, I was living in a hostel, so I was very conscientious of money and being, not being well. So I Street smart. Trying to be. You know, fucking, you wouldn't think it, but I was trying to be. Put 300 quid in my fucking sock. I was robbed anyway with 300 quid in my phone. But um, I remember seeing people going by me. Hold on for a second. That's it going off, is it? It's not flashing around. Right. <coughs> Hello? Hello? When did it go off? Power. Just now, is it here? Free is that? Sorry. The power of it. Is it? Brother. Is it? Brother. Is it? Brother. Is it? Press recording after that. Right. Anyway, uh, it was a weird experience because, um, like, I was looking at the brother next to me, Dwayne. He's eight years older than me. And then the next fella to him, Dwayne was looking at the next, the older fella than him, two years older than him. So it was weird. Then the oldest fella was looking down, and the two of us like, "Fuck, I have to look after these two motherfuckers." And we were looking at him to look after us. So when you lose your mother like that, it's just fucking. 
a shock to the core, especially from my oldest brother, because he was extremely close to her. And um, I suppose primary school was good. I was a well-behaved kid, very bright apparently. Uh, secondary, I went to bed mad at 14. <laughs> I found a pack of the John Player Blue and my cigarette, 10 cigarettes on the chair beside me, and I discovered the joys of hash and then being a fucking EJ. And women. <laughs> it's ironic, I never got any woman in my school, but I got, when I went to a, a little nightclub, it was called Book Mulligans. It was a nightclub that all the people in me used to go to from the outskirts, like they'd come in. And can those women there, but never in the school. I think they were dead white to me. What was the what was the impact of losing your mom? What was that like on you? Jesus Christ. Um the city of coming mom when you lose a kid. It just it hardened me, I suppose. It, I'll just move you near to the mic. It just moved it just hardened me, I suppose, in the sense that um everything I knew I lost in that moment, so it, it desensitized me towards people. It made me that emotional disattachment. We were discussing about Bruce Lee. I didn't get too involved then with people. I suppose I've got a lot of abandonment issues because of that. Like, I lost my mum when I was four. My dad went before that. Then when I was, like, as an adult, my ex-wife cheated on me. Last year, I lost a baby to a girl that I had a child with. She took the child off with her to fucking Malaysia. So a lot of abandonment issues kind of creep up for me a lot. So on the subject of down the line depression, that's where that would come in. So abandonment Mm -hmm. issues are a big thing. But I try to be as emotionally detached from things as, as much as possible. As you say, the, the Buddha principle. The Buddha principle, because attachment leads to pain and stuff. Mm. And we were talking, I was telling you about uh, Gabor Mate. Yeah. He's a book called Shattered Minds. And there's, there's loads of talk about attachment, attunement, abandonment, sense of grievance, coming from generational pain, as yeah. in the grandparents doing to the parent and the parent doing to you. And, you know, hell, which. The disease again spreading. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's not about blame, it's about understanding, you yeah. know. It makes it easier for you then to understand your parents, it makes it easier for them to understand their, their parents. Yeah. But people don't even look at that. It was only from my reading, you know, a book that I have up there called yeah. uh, Perfect Love in Perfect Relationship. Yeah. And it makes me understand what it was like for parents, you know, whether you feel abandoned or whether you feel unloved. But, Definitely, like us, we're, as parents, we're struggling ourselves there, you know, to, to know if you're doing the right thing. I'm sure there were 10 times more. And I, read about it. I wish that all parents would read this book. I wish all parents would read that book on Shattered Minds. It might make life a little bit easier for you to understand your pain so then you don't pass it on to your kids. Well, I was, what was it? I heard somewhere, <clears throat> like, the way you are is 95% because of the environment you're in. Like, your environment is 90% of you, and so your DNA and all your... Uh, idiosyncrasies and psychotic tendencies are based on your environment growing up. It's yeah. not really much of your parents. It's their part because they're part of your environment, of course. And about four or five percent is genetic and shit. The rest is environment. Yeah, uh, your DNA is the loaded gun, but the environment pulls the trigger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a deadly podcast. Yeah, again. wow, accent. Fucking, I love that. There's a deadly podcast again, uh, Aidan McCullen, he does it with a guy called Bruce Lipton and he talks about this whole, the, the DNA and the environment and he yeah, grew a couple of uh, cells in a, in a Petri dish, one, you know, to right. distinguish how they turn out and the right. environment was the, was the greatest factor. Yeah. Yeah, to determine the outcome of it. So what he was doing was, the interview was called The Biology of Thoughts. So how your thoughts create your environment inside your body and how your environment creates <laughs> your impact your dna so that yeah. if your pro- proponent is to think negative all the time if your go-to place is negative 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 that changes your biology on the inside but if you practice 
being positive, you practice mindfulness, mm. you change your internal environment. It's, it was it was a really profound a interview. Of, a lot of self talk as well, doesn't it? Oh, that's your your internal dialogue and all that. That creates your. When people think of environment, yeah. they think smog and the ozone layer. Yeah, no, when I think not, environment, I think of my environment, my like internal. Where you're born, where you're raised, what you're doing, what you're not doing. Yeah, can you can you share us a little bit uh, about your battles with with addiction? Uh, yeah, I fucking I just had I used to work as a painter, so I do nights and I do a monotonous task, the same process over and over again. So I found that when I uh, was working, I discovered the joys of value myself, and fucking I take one or two just to numb and just to go through the day. But I suppose I had a wake up call about six years later when my ex wife left me and cheated on me, obviously. As I explained earlier, but I had that wake up call to come out of come out of the zone. I got as far as I could. I thought at the time in my career, but then I found when I became sober and I came into reality, I found that I got a job in UCD teaching and without a HD, which is fucking phenomenal. I was teaching three D printing. And the only reason I got it was on merit of the fact that I fucking was a printer and that I was a bit outside of the box and a bit street smart on the interview. And I bypassed two aerospace engineers, so then I realized that I could be, as Guy Ritchie says, master of my own kingdom, do you know? And I was, and I did not left to, left to prove anymore. But being sober made me realize that I can't fucking definitely become king of master of my own kingdom without bullshitting myself for years, as I normally mm. did when you're, when you're in, intoxicated, or you're stoned, or whatever you like to call it. And yeah, I became master of my own kingdom. <coughs> and how did that all work out for you? I know that you had problems with the Dean. I probably was the day, oh Jesus. Fuck. He didn't live too far from your house, did he? I had a slip. I had one slip and then I done fucking two urines in the drug free house that I was staying in and I lost the apartment. And I was in the university and I was being, I was brought in and I was after doing a report for, I was supposed to have 600 people in an exhibition during the summer and I got four and they have to, they made me write a report. They found out all about me drug free and being in rehab and recovery. Mm. You just couldn't tell, say it yet. But uh, they made me write a report on why I didn't get 600 people, why I only got 400 in the middle of July in a fucking university. Like, nobody's got to go to university or school during the summer. But um, I've done the interview and they're like, oh, I had the meeting, sorry. And they're like, oh, you need to have more mentoring. So I lost my job, <coughs> lost the apartment the same weekend. And then um, I was stuck into a residential unit in Blanche. And so things again went shit up. No matter where you are, things can always hit rock up no matter who you are or what you are as well. You spent a bit of time floating around in hostels. And I spent a fucking a good chunk of it. I was that difficult? Or they difficult? It was difficult because you have to ring this hotline, 1800 I know that by heart, bent into my head, tattooed on me. Do you ring this at about, you have to ring this, you can ring at 10 in the morning and you can ring before 2. And you might not get a bed and you can be put in like, all hostels, like, they're not great. And they're not, like, fucking five-star hotels. But you can be put in one where you're in a single room to yourself, which is a lot more safe. And you're not, like, if, like like me, I only had really an issue at that time with, with the weed and no other drugs, thank God. I kind of, I dealt with the volume and put that to bed. But when I slipped on the weed and, like, you're in a drug, you're in a hostel in a single room on your own and nobody can touch you. But if you're sharing a six-man room, which I was... Nasty, because you're getting robbed. There's people having fights. They're fighting over fucking cigarettes or socks. Your bags are getting robbed. Your bags are getting gone through. I was trying my best to get up back up, back up on my feet. 
So what happens in the hostel system is you ring that number, you get your bed, you do that. If you're lucky enough the next night or the third night, you get your bed again. Then they put you onto a thing called a rolling bed, which means you can have that for three or four weeks until you get, I don't know how you call it, like a permanent independent residential emergency accommodation. Emergency accommodation. <laughs> That's what I would call it. But fucking, I was put into a place in um, Sandico, I got blessed. I landed on my feet. And it's just ironic when I, I said earlier that people run or people, like people stay or people scar. The people that didn't help me when I was homeless and sleeping rough and when I was on my bollocks. Like I, I was going out with a girl at the time, kind of on and off. But like, she never had me proper stay over. She never had that fact that I stay over. But then when I fucking got the apartment in San Diego, in a nice enough area in Dublin, she was like, you always fucking land on your feet. You always get fucking everything handed to you. And I was like, do you really think that I like spent since November sleeping rough and going in and out of shit and dealing with your crap? That I've been fucking landing on my feet and I was a bit, bit miffed, but it made me realise that there's a lot of jealousy out there. Even for things that people get and they deserve, there'll always be haters or there'll always be some kind of negative aspect or spin on it. So fuck it, I landed on my feet. Like that's what it looks like, but you have to go through hard times. I don't see it as landing on your feet. No, I see it as it's just a, a, a bit of progress on the next step to getting better in the bigger picture. We're all trying to get better, all of us are trying to get better. Yeah, absolutely. We had a good chat last week about your near-death experience. Could you share that with uh, our listeners? Well, when I lost the fucking the UCD job and the, the residential house in Glasnow near the Dean, bastard. <laughs> you were in number one and he was in number yeah, 17, he, was it? Yeah, he was, he was dead boy. He was like the recovery agent. It was, like, Fuck. it was a drug-free house. It was a drug-free house and he was dead boy. to me. But, uh, Sorry, where were we? What were you asking? We were talking about your near-death experience. Oh, your near-death experience. When I lost that and fucking I slipped, I fucking was in a residential gaff in Huntstown and the guy in the gaff was like, come on, downstairs, we'll go for a walk. So we went to the fucking... The gaff was in Carpenter's town and the football pitch where I overdosed was in Huntstown. But anyway, we went there. I smoked two fucking joints. I smoked fucking two lines of heroin and I took two violin. Now, I was pretty clean for all that duration from January till July. So that's seven months proper, proper clean. And I was getting fit. It was a bit of a fitness week. I'm doing a new addiction, yeah? And it, boom, hit me fucking buff in the middle of a football pitch. I had money in my sock because I was trying to be dead wide in the street and not get robbed. I'm pretty sure I got robbed. Which <laughs> <laughs> doesn't fucking work trying to think outside the box. I got my phone robbed. But it was funny. I was just lying there. And I could see people walking by in my consciousness. Even though I was out cold, I could see people walking by and not doing a fucking tap. And then... How long were you lying there for? I went out at about 12 in the afternoon, midday. And I think I was there till about 8 o'clock at night. Wow. And, I and just, no one came over and helped it you? It was the fucking hottest day of the year. It was like a burger cooked on one side, man. It was fucking <laughs> madness. But my mom, Were you face down, face up? No, I was face... I was on my back looking up. And right. my experience... like. I was lying there and I could just fucking see these people walking by. I don't remember getting robbed, but obviously something cunt that was in my consciousness was robbing me. But like, you know when you're in the dentist and you have the light in your face mm. and then kind of alien X-Files programs where heads stick around. There was these figures, white figures, just sticking their heads around that light. And I read later on that that light is the consciousness, God consciousness. But I swear to God, it is the moth to a flame kind of thing. I was going towards the fucking light. I was just like, this mm. is great. And I felt alone. 
and they reckon that you don't feel or you don't have these like mad moments of life flashing before your eyes you feel what you made people feel so because of my abandonment issues we were just talking about i pushed people away and i made myself feel alone in that darkest moment so that's what i felt i made people feel throughout my life because i got hurt so much by the fact that my mother died and the whole abandonment shit i pushed people away so i was lying there and i, I just all oh, like i could see these figures coming around the light and i was going towards it like a moth to a flame and i was just heard this voice it was like get the fuck up it was like somebody calling me for school and you know that kind of get the fuck up <laughs> you're late fucking mass get up on mass <laughs> Well, I swear, I never knew her voice because I was very young. I couldn't really remember my mom. But it was a female voice. And she was like, get the fuck up. Get the fuck up. You're not done yet. You're not finished yet. I swear to God, it was like somebody fucking plunged me hard with adrenaline. I just got the fuck up. And I was walking from uh, Carpenter's, or Huntstown, where the football pitch was, to Carpenter's Town, which is about two kilometers, three kilometers. I swear to God, it was like walking on the fucking moon. Because I had so much drugs in my system, my bar- bar- barbiturates, opiates, and fucking um, uh, cannabis in my system after being clean for so long. But just that overdose experience, it is a consciousness, it is a greater power, it is a bigger power, and it made me realize that we're part of a bigger, big, bigger, bigger fucking deal. And that light is the consciousness, and that light is in you, as you were talking about earlier with Gabon Mate. Mm, absolutely. Um, so where did you go from there? What was the what was the next step? Uh, I went through, did you go back to rehab? Did you? No, you I go? went into hostels again, and I was just kind of getting sick of this fucking shit after the overdose. And then I I, I went through a six man six week six man room rolling bed hostel. I was explaining the rolling bed there, so I did yeah. six weeks of that, and I ended up in Sandy Cove. Yeah. And I swear to God, I got a two bed apartment in Sandy Cove, fucking eighteen foot ceilings, two bathrooms, a kitchen. And my own independent freedom, like coming in and out as I wish, but I had to be home by 11. There was no people allowed to stay <coughs> over, and there were certain rules because it was emergency accommodation. But um, I believe and broke down crying when I went in there because the guy, lovely guy, the manager of the place, he was like, You fucking no problems, you only smoke cigarettes out that window, any other drugs, you're gone. And I was like, Yes, there's no drugs in this place, there's no heavy drugs, there's no shit. And I spent three years there, yeah, until I got my own flat in town. Uh, a year and a half ago. Brilliant. I'm blessed in the street. I'm blessed. And we're, still we're, blessed in the street. we're in an amazing Polish cafe around the corner that we met oh, for something. lovely, man. Delicious. Like, same Polish boys on here to cook an Irish fry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fantastic. What do you think got you through these tough times? You know, all these tough times you have, all the, the hardship. What would you reckon that got you through that? I don't know. Years ago, I was in my Fergus, I was like in the hostel when I was 15. I left home at 15 and I came up to Dublin and then I went to draw for about three years but I remember him screaming at me and he was like nothing lasts forever and I was like fucking hell nothing does last forever so that's what that's what's kept me going it's like that moment if it's going to be three or four months of shit it's not going to be forever it's going to be three or four months of shit and you can tolerate that shit because I've dealt with extreme shit in my life so I can deal with that at that moment and nothing can get worse than that and nothing lasts forever and I, le- I read something in rehab and it was like the only thing to fear is fear itself. We talked about this. We talked yeah. about that. So worried about worrying. Worried about worrying and just overthinking and eating yourself alive and letting your insecurities eat you alive. And it's, there's no point in it. You, you need to kind of let it flow. Now, I kind of have mental health issues in terms of depression and uh, inner self-worth issues, but like, 
the end of the day, it won't last forever and I will get out of it. So like if I if I am struggling with depression, like for example, if I don't brush my teeth, if I don't get up and have a shower, if I fucking don't do anything that day, don't do anything worthwhile, I will try and keep a, co- a, a cosh on it by brushing my teeth. Because then I know I'm slipping. Structure. I know I'm Structure. slipping. Yeah, Routine. I have to keep it. I have to keep it. If I don't keep it, I'm bollocks. I'm going back into that, staying in bed all day, smoking weed all day, not doing a tap, thinking the worst of myself, eating myself alive. I can't be at that. I have to be doing shit. I have yeah. to be doing shit. People in work slag me about me being routine. They say, where are you having today, Matt? I say, turkey, rice and curry. Turkey, yeah. rice, curry. I'm going to come home and have yeah. toasted bread and steak. Toasted bread and steak. Yeah. How, why do you do that? It's part of my routine. So if I don't do this, I'll go down to Tesco and I'll buy a bag of M&M's and I'll buy jellies yeah. and I'll buy all things and that'll be oh, part sure. of the old me that used to do yeah. those things. And it's not it's because healthy. I'm being trying to be super healthy and I'm trying no. to be, you know, a healthy group. It's about the structure. It's about Grounding routine. Because yeah. if I don't, I'll, I'll regress. You need to keep a caution yourself. It's a lot of bollocks, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Did you ever have the uh, attempts at suicide? Did you ever try? Or? Uh, I thought about it a few times. Um, I was, when I got homeless first, I was fucking on the keys in town, on the boardwalk, looking, mm. looking between the boards on the boardwalk, and I was like, Jesus, do you know what, it wouldn't be uh, too bad if the world was without me. And that was a pretty dark moment, because I have a daughter. Well, I have two daughters now, but at the time, I'd already told my eldest, and I was like, Jesus, the world without me, and hard, do you know what I mean, pretty fucking sad. So, I kind of snapped out of it. Yeah. But, uh, I tried to avoid the suicidal thoughts, because of me, man, and that. I don't want to. I don't want history to repeat itself. Perfect, yeah. And it's kind of funny because I was thinking. I was talking to my aunt there, and she's in London. And she knows the whole story between my mom and my dad. But like, my dad lost his man when he was seven, and I lost my man when I was four. And we're both unable to express ourselves properly in life. And I had a dream where my mom came to me. And she's like, "Forget your father. He's a fucking idiot. He just doesn't know how to express himself, but he loves you." And that was, again, the, the universe kind of waking me up, slapping me into reality. And, yeah, he was trying his best with what little he had. Mm, yeah, I think, uh, not stereotyping, but a lot of Irish people, or a lot of yeah. people around the world have yeah. difficulty around articulating how they feel. They mm. find it difficult around even identifying the thoughts in their mind and what it means and trying to conceptualize it all, put it together, you know don't have the language for it and I really feel for, for generations gone past well, that, that's what I'm trying to do with the group I'm trying to get people to not be afraid to compliment each other without an agenda you know? or I randomly text people say look I'm really yeah. delighted you did this for yeah, me yeah. or if I see stuff on, on Facebook that people are doing great yeah. work in the community I'll send them a text saying look you're a legend you're doing brilliant yeah, they say oh no I'm just, you know, I'm just trying my best but it's, it's brilliant you're, you're setting yourself apart from the rest of the community that don't want to do that and it's yeah. brave and it's amazing and I love it I, lo- I love practicing gratuity I mean gratuitous journals yeah, over there I do it every day every day it's every, deadly every morning I don't do it myself I kind of I'm very grateful for my flat I'm grateful for my kids being healthy I'm grateful for myself after going through a lot of shit this year with surgery being healthy I'm, I'm, I'm blessed I'm fucking blessed daily like I'm blessed that I'm sitting here my heart is consciously beating Mm. I'm blessed that it's doing that. I'm blessed that there's neurons firing and that there's everything working. And it's amazing that we don't, we're not grateful for even our own bodies. Like it's amazing what happens behind all the scenes. Mm. What do you do now to to keep yourself well or safe? I meditate as much as I can, and I try to do two types of meditation, which is like 
introvert and then extrovert. So I'd be on a train or a bus in a mad, mad noisy scenario, but I'd be taking it all in. I'd be in that moment, I'd be consciously aware of what the fuck is going on. Yeah. It is, it is a jungle at that moment. And then I go home and I meditate on myself and I, I go into my inner jungle, inner jungle. And then I try and calm that shit down. But you, it's, it's, it's impossible to meditate. You can just... A lot of people could do it. The masters would probably do it for 15, 20 minutes. This fucking seven hour shit. That's a little shit. They just, they go into separate thoughts or a different trance stage where they, yeah, obviously working on their own shit. Mm. I try not to, I try not to empty my mind because it's impossible to empty my mind. I don't, I, I've stopped forced though. I do the no manipulation, whatever yeah. it is it is. I don't, I sit down with the intentions, my intention of my meditation. I'm going to practice closing my eyes for a good yeah. many time. I'm going to practice being still in mind and body where I can mm. move any time. And yeah. then I practice slow, deep breaths. Slow, deep breaths. And then whatever that is. Yeah. And if my mind drifts off, I bring it back. If it drifts off, bring it back. And, and when I finish the practice, I go, well done, you've done your best. That's it. I, I don't have any expectations. I try to get outside help, which would be true to the universe. I, I wouldn't call myself spiritual, but I call myself aware that there is a bigger picture and there's a lot of shit going on behind the scenes again that we're not aware of. So what I try to do is like put an eye mask on my face. And close my eyes or open my eyes behind the, the, the eye mask and trick my rods into thinking that my eyes are closed. So I create, I don't know, manifestations of visions or visuals. Visualiza- or, I love visualization. It's like the isolation tank. Have you heard of the isolation tank? I've done it. Have you? The, the, it's amazing. The, oh, it's the, you know, you're floating in water yeah, or what's it called? The uh, sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, yeah I've done it. Nuts. My brother got me for a, for a, a birthday present or a Christmas present yeah. the year for last. And I just, I broke up with someone. It was a really difficult time, but right. I, I probably would benefit more of a go and do it now because my mind was a lot scarred yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. But it was unbelievable. You're aware of yourself. Was, when you do it now, you'll be 10 times you come out with like a bleeding He-Man. Like, Nuts! Christ, what the fuck? Nuts. It's great for you, but it is. It's, it, a lot of people can't sit with themselves. That's the biggest problem with today. I can do so, that. Good. That's where, you, that's where a lot of the health and progress starts, I think. Sitting with yourself and taking accountability for your shit. Nobody takes accountability for the shit anymore. They're okay. all passing the book. It was only having a conversation with my mate this morning, Carolyn, and we were just saying, you know, blame is easier than acceptance. Yeah. No one wants to turn it around and look yeah. at, at themselves in service of whatever they're doing or the people that they're with. Everyone just wants to point yeah. the finger. And everybody has their war stories, but nobody really like looks at their part of the picture of the fucking war story, you know? Absolutely. What they what they don't have to take apart. Like I separated from my ex wife. I worked too much. I was doing fucking fifteen hours a day or doing 12 hours Saturday and Sunday shifts and I was like fucking avoiding the family life and now I fucking crave it so avoidance of life yeah, yeah it's I crazy was, I wasn't taking responsibility but I was pained away but that's not really good enough time is important so I learned my lessons I've been lucky I don't know I suppose life has always kind of screamed at me because I had no mother or no father so the, the universe has taken that role for me if you get me fantastic in the sense I don't know I'm a bit mad but we're all a little bit bonkers. Yeah. The podcast has been an amazing journey for me. It's been very therapeutic, you know, the, the people I've interviewed, this stuff is very relevant to my life right now, mindfulness, meditation, uh, psychologists, counsellors, all these people I've had on have been very poignant. Yeah. Has your PhD, uh, a moment for mindfulness, been yeah. that for you? Yeah, well, doing the mindfulness myself has found that I'm in the moment, I'm consciously aware, I'm not depressed too much by going into the past, and then we're all living in the past. And I don't get anxiety by going into the fucking future too much. So the mindfulness page has, yeah, it keeps, keeps me grounded. It makes me realize that 
I'm not on my own in this journey. There's a lot of people in recovery. There's a lot of people going through not just drug recovery, but emotional recovery from like battered husbands, battered wives, um, a lot of recovery based from emotional abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse. And it just made me realize that you can't just umbrella it with fucking drugs. It's everything. And I realized that everybody's going through their own shit. And I don't know, I get, I'm extremely grateful that I can be brought to tears because I'm an emotional streak. But it's nice for me to be brought to tears by somebody else's progress and growth and watching that online. It's amazing. And they're just random, normal people like us. Do you know? I say nobody's. And nobody even is as somebody. I, you see, there, that's my mental health issues coming in with my negative self talk time. That's a lot of work I'm doing, you know? Yeah, but you're aware of it and you're conscious of that's it. That's the thing. That's the fucking beauty of it. I'm always pulling myself up on things. And the awareness is the mindfulness coming right there into practice. And of course, I listened to me mad the day. She was talking about going to a physio and she spent 300 quid. And, and I was going and I, and I was a fucking idiot. And I was going, and I was like, hold on a second, man. You didn't know. You're not a fucking idiot. I said, you're not. I said, you went to a professional yeah. to get professional guidance through a problem you're having. And now you're giving you, you didn't know. You went open-minded. Yeah, and it's catching yourself saying those things. I was only talking to my girlfriend last night and I was saying, oh, I'm a fucking fool sometimes. And I was like, I shouldn't say that about myself. I just made a mistake. But we do. We yeah. we jump into that. And I just see my mom doing that. And I'm not, I wasn't trying to be mean to her. I was just saying, no. oh, you're not a fucking idiot. No, no, yeah. You're not a fucking idiot. I'm saying that shit to people around me as well. Right? Mm. Because I'm doing it to myself, like my insecurities are eating me alive, but I try not to let them. I mean, I try it's about to the bigger them. picture. It's about the bigger picture. It's about, I don't know, fucking passing on fucking good shit to your kids. I think that's the only thing that kind of keeps me going. If my little one wasn't here, I'd probably be kind of like country or leaving my bread. I don't know. <laughs> or let things get out of hand. Yeah. But it's that, like, being aware of pulling yourself up on things. And it's it, the, the whole self-talk thing will be the NLP. Neuro-linguistic programming. Neuro-linguistic programming. I'm yeah. trying to get a guy on, Dave Walsh. He, uh, diversity, he does a lot of diversity work and he's quite mm. uh, skilled and he's meant to come on a while ago and it just didn't happen, but I'd love to get him on to talk it's about fantastic, that. fantastic, fucking, it's a fantastic way of looking at things. Yeah, absolutely reframing and looking at it and re- It's so important. And re-changing the way you say things or ask questions or approach things. It's deadly. I know from following your stuff on Bookface, uh, you do a bit of poetry. <laughs> Talk to yeah, us a bit about that. Good art therapy. And I'm not an artist. <laughs> so but you are. They are in a I know, sense. I anything creating is art. Anything creating is art, of course. I'm only kind of the old stereotype of the artist. But what I do is I find that my writing, because I can't express myself and I'm very emotional and detached a lot of the time, I try to write to bridge that gap. And I swear to God, it's like I get channeled or something. That's me. I do that too. I, when I'm in a sad state, or I, I can only write when I'm in a sad yeah. state. I've like written poems and they're just coming out of it. it and it's a tough time. Introspective because you're like, fuck, I wrote that. And then you're looking at the angles of it and then you're really kind of dissecting yourself more. And it's nice to it's nice to be able to get it out first. Like I read years ago when I started the whole spiritual thing, this kind of bullshitty thing where, oh, if you have a problem with somebody to write a letter to them and then when it's over, like filled with hate, obviously the letter will be born it and send it off to the universe but that's again just feeding into that negative aspect of being negative but I find that my own writing and writing therapy without being negative on purpose is great just to mm, get it out like, yeah. I, I freestyle a lot of my poetry yeah same, same as yourself yeah. yeah any any poem on your mind I don't remember a lot of my poetry anything that Jeez. you can remember even if you pull your phone I'd like you to share something see what's on the reading phone 
I've had a few. Uh, Here we go. A bit of live uh, reciting of poetry, Aaron. A bit of live this poetry. is gonna inspire you. I'll have to take me a minute to get onto this, but fuck. Yeah, maybe I could share one with you. Yeah, sure, ahead. Hold it in here. I'll find one. I'm going to share poetry. A willy measuring competition. <laughs> a willy measuring competition. Here's something I wrote. It's kind of, I write memes as well. And it's kind of like just to cover people. Like to, co- to, to make people realise that they're more self-worth really. That they're more than they actually think they're worth. So it's just kind of like a small meme. She screamed, she cried, and she ended up frustrated with her life. She let the world crush her. She drew no inspiration from her surroundings, so she looked inside. She reconnected with herself. She built her own world through her own perception of reality. She gave more to the less off, and she gave less to the job that demanded more. Her lesson with self-love brings in true contentment and inner joy. So it's just, it's kind of like, I, the name of the page is Playful Poet. But it's, um... Deadly, isn't it? It's just about wordplay. And then I kind of turn on its head to make it more... Poignant, I suppose, poignant to to be relevant and to think outside of the box. I've always tried to say that to myself, to think outside of the box and be aware of being aware. And it's kind of, it's coming true in my writing, some of my writing anyway, without being egotistical. I swear to God, there's another one for us. I do, it's the only thing I'm fucking, I believe that I'm good at. It's actually about fucking book face. It's called Likes and Shares, Who Cares? Deadly. So everybody's famous, but nobody's known. They're typing on the screen, secretly alone. Making duck pelts on selfie mode, selfishness and self-absorption are lonely roads. We follow trends as ourselves go viral, or are caught up in a social media spiral. It's the blind leading the blonde, if only we knew how we were being conned. So let your battery die and open up your eyes. There's a world beyond likes and shares where real people actually love and actually fucking care. <laughs> Deadly. What are you that, Aaron? That's savage. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's deadly. That's it. Uh, that's a bit lighthearted. You're doing deadly work, like you know. I'm you're... trying. I'm trying. It just comes out of me. I don't know. I bleed, bleeding. I suppose this is one of my best. Go for it. It's called stay. Again, the whole abandonment issues coming out here. I think you are the same as me. We live a life of make believe. We hear melodies that have not yet been heard. The truth you speak is your spoken word. I'm not broke, but you can see the cracks. Let me unwind on you. I want to relapse. You're a shot of cocaine and a rush of speed. Girl, you got me begging in my time of need. So hit me up with your magical touch and we'll exchange small talk, small talk and such. But we both see what lies within a tempered spirit born without sin. So let me stay just for tonight. Rewrite history and make it all right. Expose your words and hidden meanings and build a bridge towards your dreams. It's just... Again, to think Cracking. of the box. That's lovely. It's Deadly. Just rhymes, man. It just looks good. I like that. I like rhyming, <laughs> It's just a rhyme. I got, I, I'd be there in a fucking app. Rhyme that shit. <laughs> but it, come on, it flows a lot. It flows a lot. I like it. It just it makes it a bit more catchy for me because I love rap music and I like rhyming and poems. Oh, I, I have like a it. really good rap one here, but it's just, it's fucking... It's, I go for it's it. It's a bit off the wall now. It's this very, is deadly, isn't it? Mental uh, health, mindfulness, poetry, rap. All we need is Biggie Smalls. Then we got a party <laughs> and a bag of cans. <laughs> yeah. Where is this one for fuck's sake? I'm trying to find it. It's here. It's um. It's called. It's getting better, man. And it's, it's about recovery and it's about getting through the hardest, hardest days, without just realizing. It's called. It's getting better, man. Anyway. Hmm. Disillusion, confusion, retribution, distribution, revolution. Evolution, 
absolution, illusion, counter-revolution, seclusion, inclusion, collusion, destitution, institution, my last solution. So, it's about the madness of the world. That is deadly. Fair play, man. That is class. Love it. Love poetry. You know, I'm trying to get a book together for uh, Peter Marchardt. trust to um, kind of like a series of coffee table books Yeah. that are in the shape of a jigsaw. So you have to get the four of them to, to make the whole book. Do you know what I mean? But each one can be read as a jigsaw piece. But you yeah. have to get the four of them to make it work. And uh, just donate it all to the homelessness. Savage. You're doing amazing work, man. I really appreciate it. McFerry Give it back to the world. McFerry is a saint. Well, we need to get Peter McFerry on the podcast. Yeah, any influence there? Yeah, I'll have a chat there and get money. Yeah, yeah that'd be he's, nice. he's, 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 he's a man. <laughs> in a great way. Yeah. He'll have about seven thoughts in his head, and you can see the thoughts processing, but he'll talk to you on the flow. <laughs> but he'll have about seven or, seven or eight things going on in the back. Savage. Deadly. Fair play. What's the one thing you would like people to take away after listening to this interview? That no matter what the fuck happens, no matter where you are, no matter what you're at, what you're doing, nothing lasts forever and that tomorrow is a new day and you can restart at zero and you can start again. Every day you can keep going, no matter what the fuck happens, you you can keep going. And I've had some mad shit happen to me and I'm an old fella in retrospect. And you keep going and that's it. I've kept going. All I can do is keep going and it's you don't live your life for your kids or through your kids, you live your life with your kids, and that's the mistake people make. They like send their kids to piano lessons and all this because they never done it. You just live your life with your kids, and you enjoy yourself, and you you be as free as possible within the day to day routine. What I want people to take from this is to be content with their lot. You have you have a lot. Realize that you've no fucking plastic bottles on the base of your feet walking around for ten miles for water. You're blessed. You're fucking blessed. Perfect. There's one thing I probably would disagree with you in the middle of all that. You says you're just a normal guy. I don't think you're a normal guy. I think you're quite special. I think you've got a unique talent. You've got bundles of love and kindness in your heart. You're doing amazing work. You're mindfulness. You're helping people, not just in Ireland. Mm. You've span across the world. Yeah, like 56,000 people think, oh, you know, he's just another Justin Bieber. He just has loads yeah. of likes and followers. No. But you're doing amazing, significant, heartfelt work. And it's Fine. deadly. And I appreciate you giving me your time. I'm absolutely delighted to get you on the podcast, share your poems, share your stories. Definitely, uh, the world is a better place with more people like you in it. Same for you, man. Same for you, spreading the world of joyousness and kindness to each other. That's all. That's my motto every day. When I make a decision, I go, am I choosing love or yeah. choosing fear? Yeah, that's it. Love and kindness or fear, and then I go, no, I'm going to Love is, what you have in your heart is the currency that you have for the next life. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever you have in your heart, going into it, you're getting, you're getting your next law in the next life based on what you have in your heart. Oh, you know? Jesus, let's start loving each other, Aaron. Let's get more <laughs> love going. I don't give over. I don't mean that kind of love. Uh, no, it's it's deadly. I just love love and kindness now. It's just it's easier for me, and it's, it's, it's easier to recognise that I'm when I'm yeah. making decisions. Is it making the true fear? Or am I making the true love and kindness? But your life ripples out through it. It becomes way better based off that. It really does. When you look at your kids in a different light, you look at people in a different light. You yeah. see their story more. Oh, yeah. I'm more present for people. I'm more very, understanding because I'm understanding of myself. Yeah, they say you become less selfish when you become a parent, but when you wake up to reality. Wake you know, up to reality. That's a great one. It's, uh, you become very conscientious. Love, love is the answer. It is. It fucking is. It's the only thing that makes sense. There's a deadly book that I, I bought for my daughter there. It's called uh, The Invisible String. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, and they talk about the we're all connected through love. I raise my daughter every night when she comes over in bed. No, oh, it just brings me to tears each time that we're all just connected yeah. through this invisible string, which is love. Mm. And she just she, she eats it up. She thinks it's deadly. We're we're attached to each other with a magical string. And we are. There's a Japanese thing that similar kind of thing where they're attached by the string. The person that you're over half of, you're mm. mentally attached. But yeah. we're all attached. It's a collective consciousness, as you're very into. It. I love it. I love, I love it. it all myself. Right, so that's a wrap. Thanks for coming on the podcast, you absolute legend. I'm a legend. You're a legend too, Punk. Nice to give us a hug. Very nice, bro.